it, it's actually a very specific example, so some people might actually know who I'm talking about, but I don't even care. There's a person that that had a last name. The last name is Garcia. That's a Latino last name by by any like by any standard. You know, that's a Latino last name. This person chose to go by the last name. He pronounced it Garcia. I'm not, and I'm not lying. And he chose to kind of go this other path where I feel like he was not um, acknowledging like his roots or like who he was. And I was just, you know, like I looked at that and I was like, I don't, that is not what I'm choosing for me. I am going to be Hadi Mendez. I'm the Puerto Rican from Brooklyn. I walk into all my meetings and I say, hola, I, anybody who works with me at work, my account execs, my, you know, anybody, even my customers, like I'll always be like, hola, you know, like those, that is how I choose to enter spaces. That is how I choose to identify and be. And, and I don't know that I would be capable of like denying that part of me. Dímelo, mi gente. What up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Do It As podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know on this podcast, we explore the conflict that many of us often face between professionalism and authenticity. The clip that you just heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Hadi Mendez. Before getting into the full episode, let me give you a quick little bio on Hadi so that you can get to know her a little bit. Hadi Mendez likes to see people succeed and connects with others through trusted relationships. Over her 25 plus year career, Hadi has worked in multiple customer facing roles at tech companies and financial service firms. She's also been an international volunteer working with incarcerated and formerly incarcerated women and even served as, as a community school director at an elementary school in the South Bronx, New York. Shout out to the Boogie Down Bronx. Quick fun fact, in her free time, Hadi's an amateur street art photographer who loves to travel. Her Instagram page is fire, y'all. I definitely recommend it. To read Hadi's full bio, be sure to check out the show notes. For now, let's get into the episode. You're just becoming a celebrity these days. Like, what, what's been the change? Are you just becoming more vocal? Are people just finding out? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, pu I put an article out on LinkedIn the other day that was talking about how I found my voice. And I think I've, I've been having conversations with people about it, but I think it's a combination of I've always had a point of view, but I was not confident enough to share the point of view. And my point of view is pretty like strong. Like, I feel like I have like a lot to say but I was kind of always a little bit nervous or apprehensive about sharing my point of view because I wasn't, I don't think I was ready for like people disagreeing with me and the conflict that, and the tension that could arise, but I feel a little bit more confident and prepared to do that now. So I feel like I can have conversations that can end ultimately with, okay, we can agree to disagree. We don't see that, that thing the same way. But before I wasn't confident enough to do that, I just felt very uncomfortable with people being like, no, Diversity is not an issue. What are you talking about? And then I would be like, oh, I don't know what to say. So now I know what to say. I feel better about, you know, I, I have more information, more facts, more um, knowledge, and I, and I feel better about being able to defend my point of view. So tell me a little bit about that experience and just like, in, in, in what situations did you necessarily feel uncomfortable and, and why did you feel uncomfortable with that conflict? Yeah, I, I was saying, uh, you know, if I think about it in the workplace, I attended so many meetings, like, just like I'm sure everybody else does. And I would sit in the meetings and I would be like, my internal voice would be saying, oh, I don't agree with that. Or, oh, if that person only knew, or, you know, like I'd have something to say, but I wouldn't say it. And, and, and I think, like I said, um, I'm somebody who likes to be prepared and I like to be, um, have all the facts. 
And I probably wouldn't disagree with the person unless I knew I was like 110% correct. Like that, that's a fear that I have that it's like, what if I'm wrong? But I've met a lot of people and I'm sure you have too, Pavel, that they don't have all the facts and they don't, and they're not actually not even right half the time, but they have no fear in their heart to just speak their mind and say their piece. And I, and you know, so I was like, yeah, I could do that too. Then I, I modeled that myself after those people that were like, you know, throw caution to the wind and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna interject with my point of view, you know, uh, based on the, you know, the things I know, there's some things I'm not gonna know. And so that'll inform my point of view some more. But yeah, I feel like now uh, I feel better. And, and it's good because I'm in a position that's very visible. Like I deal with customers every day and I cannot, you know, remain on the sidelines. That's not really an option for me. I need to, you know, have a point of view, uh, share it, um, be, you know, share my knowledge, see, talk about what I see with other customers. So it's, I can't just be like, oh, you know, Fulana just sitting there taking notes or something. No, I gotta, you know, speak up. And I, I love, I, I love that. Um, and I'm wondering why, because I think sometimes it's, at least for me, I like, I, I had that same perspective. And I think some of it was culturally, just like what we were taught as far as like, keep your head down, just work. Like, is that, is that sort of like where that started? Yes. So everybody says the saying in Spanish, calladita te ves más bonita. That is actually not the one I grew up with. So that one's like, you know, uh, you, you look prettier when you're quiet, but that's not the one I, I grew up with. My mother used to say, en boca cerrada, no entra mosca. And it's like, no entra mosca. <laughs> yeah. So if you like, you keep your mouth shut, you won't have an unpleasant experience. Is, uh, you know, I mean, you won't, a fly won't come into your mouth, which, you know, it's not literal, but it's like, I guess if you keep if you keep quiet, you don't run the risk or the chance of having something unpleasant occur. And that's exactly, I think, where I stood. That's what I was grounded in, is that if I, if I don't have that, you know, exchange or if I don't say anything, then I won't have to worry about the conflict that could follow or the disagreement that could follow. And so that's kind of, that is kind of how I grew up. And um, and I remember that a lot. But, you know, now I now I, you know, I, I feel that, you know, um, that's not, like I said, it's not really an option anymore. And it's not where I want, like, you know, we're talking about authenticity, which is like mm -hmm. what you're all about and what your mm -hmm. show's all about. That's not who I am at all. I'm someone who has something to say and I want to say it. Yeah, no, I, I love that you touched on the word authenticity because I, I do want to get into that definition because I feel like everyone has such a different definition. Mm -hmm. And like authenticity is not just about culture, but it's just like about our values and so many different things. But when you think of the word, like what comes to mind for you? Like, yeah, I, I thought about it in preparation for our conversation. So <laughs> there's a lot of things that come up for me. I would say the, the word that comes up the strongest for me is freedom. Just mm -hmm. like being free, like being able to be free to be who you are, to speak candidly, to share your perspective. Um, so the, the freedom is a big one. I think acceptance is another one so it's like we're not perfect we're not like each other i don't talk like you uh, the, you know i'm not maybe as polished as you I, I i don't look like you my hair's different from you um my lips are different from yours i don't know like i, I don't there's a lot of things that make me who i am that it makes me different from my peers and my colleagues but accepting who i am and loving who i am is a big part of authenticity for me and, and just, you know, being unapologetic, like, you know, this is me, take it or leave it. Like, you know, you don't have to love it. And, you know, I think that's okay. I, I think a lot of times early in our career, we want people to like us. We, we don't want 
people not to like us. Like you, we don't want to be that person that people are like whispering about, but you, the day has to come where you have to stand in your truth and, you know, good, bad, or ugly, that's who you are. So I feel like, you know, also authenticity is about rejecting false narratives. So it's like, that is not true about me. Like you can say a lot of things about me, but the thing you just said, that part is not true. So um, I'm going to call you out on it or I'm going to, you know, reject it outright. And um, yeah, and then just be transparent about the things that you need. And I think that's being authentic too. And I'm going to talk a lot about that today, um, being, being transparent with what you need, because that is something I did not do for a very long time. And it hurt, it only hurt me. So like no one else, I don't think got affected by it except for me. But for some reason, I felt like I was like a poker player and I'm like, oh, I won't let people know how I feel. I won't let people know what I need. I'm going to kind of keep that to myself. And I don't know, maybe it was the boca, en boca se daba no entre moscas. It was that concept where it was like, I'm just going to zip it and I, nobody needs to know. But that was just a bad strategy. And it, yeah. didn't, work out. it didn't work out well for me. There, there's so many things you mentioned there. And, it, and maybe we can start with the differences for you in a professional setting. Did you notice all like immediately the differences or did that, you know, when did you notice that? Honestly, I think I noticed it when I was in college because I went to, mm. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn you know, New York City girl. And um, I went to public school my whole life. And always that for, for me, that meant, you know, everybody and their mother, you know, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, everybody from all over the universe, you know, was in school with me. And then when I got to college, I went to um, Manhattan College, small college in the Bronx. Yeah, and um, It's right by me. I live in Riverdale. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's in Riverdale. So yeah. um, Manhattan College, I don't know what it's like now, but when I went back in the 90s, it was um, not very... Um, brown or black. And so being in that space, I remember how I felt and I felt so out of my element in that school. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, um, people are raised differently. People were already drinking where I, I didn't even drink when I was in college. You know what I mean? Like I, I grew up in a house where that was not a thing. So like, you know, the concept like of how people partied, of how people related, of, of, you know, um, things that people were experimenting with. I just was like in a completely different page. And I feel a lot of that was because of the way I was raised. And so I think, so I think for me, it was back then that I had like the clash. And then I learned a little bit about how to assimilate when I was in school and how to like not, not be like, feel, you know, like the odd person in the circles that I ran in. And then by the time I got to um, working, I thought I had it all like figured out, but then I went to Anderson Consulting, which was my first job. And, and that was a little bit different for me for a different reason. It was also that there wasn't a lot of brown and black people. That is, that is fair to, a statement to make, but it was also even more than that because the people that I was around made me question my abilities. And so it's like what the people, you know, the young people these days call like the imposter syndrome. Yeah. I felt that as soon as I got to Anderson Consulting, I was like, oh my God, like, how am I going to, I don't think I'm going to make it here. And anyway, I, I can't what even get into all the gory details because it brings back really bad memories for me, but it was yeah. not a good scene at all. <laughs> no. And, and yeah, we, we don't have to get into those specific details. Um, but tell me a little bit about that assimilation, because I think that's an important piece to highlight as well, because I always tell the story, like I dedicated time on the weekends to like literally yeah. study white American pop culture 
just to be able to go into rooms and be relatable? Like, to what extent did you go to assimilate? Yeah, I, I would say I didn't do, I didn't have to do that because I actually had um, friends and um, coworkers that I hung out with. And so I just, you know, I just kind of learned about things from them. So, I mean, I, I feel like I experienced the things um, that non-Brown and Black people usually don't experience. I just experienced it because I would hang out with my friends and I ended up in different circles. I ran in okay. different circles and experienced different things. And um, I think that is how I learned a lot about like the culture outside of like the Latinx culture from like New York City. Mm -hmm. All right, cool, cool, cool. Well, that's good. Well, at least you didn't, at least you didn't waste time that way. And, but no, then I, I think- <laughs> I've read your stuff, um, Pavel, and I, it makes me really sad that that happened to you, that you that you felt like you had to do that and that, you know, that that's hard. That's a, like, like a really hard thing and it's a sad thing that some people, you know, like that you have to have that experience or that we have to have that experience. Some way, by hook or by crook, we have to learn how to coexist. And so for some people, you know, like it's doing it the way you do it, but for some people it'll be the way I do it. I'm sure there's like other ways that people have found themselves integrating into like, you know, the mainstream of corporate America. But um, it, it is a reality for, for brown and black folk. No, no question about it. Yeah. And, you know, part of that for me was like, yeah, I wanted to fit in, but it, it was also kind of that imposter syndrome that you mentioned. Like for me, that was my defense mechanism. I was like, well, if they don't think that I can do the job, well, at least they'll like me, you know? Um, and I think that, I think imposter syndrome is such a like interesting topic because I think for, at least for me, I don't know what your experience was, but it came from both sides, right? Like for me, I would look around and say, oh, whoa, these people are doing such amazing work. There's no way that I can do that. But that was my own voice in my head, right? Mm -hmm. But then there would be like either directly or indirectly people would tell me that I like didn't belong there. Um, like, was it more so like the voice in your head for you? Or do you think it was more so like certain like feedback that was, um, that wasn't placed on you correctly? Yeah, I feel mostly it was me. It mostly yeah. it was the voice in my head. I think occasionally people made some comments or remarks that were, that made me feel excluded. Um, random things I've written about this before and I've shared it also, but, um, you know, making comments about my hair, um, making comments about like, Oh, you're Hispanic. So therefore surely, you know, this is true about you. And it was like, I don't even know you. What are you talking about? Like, you know, like you don't know me and I don't know you. Um, or, or, or these, you know, microaggressions where people kind of in an underhanded way, kind of they're complimenting you, but they're also like, uh, saying the thing that, the bias that they held, the unconscious bias that they may hold against people, you know, like us. So um, I do feel like, um, you know, as a, as a, like a, a person who is probably more fair than you, there are probably some circles that I could enter and maybe pass. But I feel like in the end, that is not true to me. So I never ch chose that path. Like, I'm gonna give you an example. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's actually a very specific example, so some people might actually know who I'm talking about, but I don't even care. <laughs> There's a person that, that had a last name. The last name is Garcia. That's a Latino last name by, by any, like, 
by any standard, you know, that's a Latino last name. This person chose to go by the last name. He pronounced it Garcia. I'm not, and I'm not lying. And he chose to kind of go this other path where I feel like he was not um, acknowledging like his roots or like who he was. And I was just, you know, like I looked at that and I was like, I don't, that is not what I'm choosing for me. I am going to be Hattie Mendez. I'm the Puerto Rican from Brooklyn. I walk into all my meetings and I say, hola, anybody who works with me at work, my account execs, my, you know, anybody, even my customers, like I'll always be like, hola, you know, like those, that is how I choose to enter spaces. That is how I choose to identify and be. And, and I don't know that I would be capable of like denying that part of me. Yeah. That's so unfortunate. I haven't, haven't seen it necessarily for, for last names, but I have heard um, experiences for first names. Like often people would shorten their first name um, in an effort to make it easier for people to pronounce. Um, oh, yeah. Like, like I have a friend, um, she was actually on the podcast. Her name is uh, Montserrat, but she would shorten it to Monse to, for, just to make it easier for people to be oh, like, yeah. how do you? I do, I do How'd that you? too. Yeah. So, so my full name is Hadila, but I, I, no one knows that. But, and I never go by that name. That is like my legal name. 99.9% .9 of the people who know me would never know that that's my name. I am Hadi. I never knew that. Yep. That's so interesting. When did yeah. you, when did you, when did you, when did you make that change? Um, or was that always like a nickname for you growing up? Potentially? Yeah, it was always a nickname. Okay. Uh, in school, I would say I didn't know when I was a kid that I could tell people call me Hadi. So people yeah. call me Hadila or like some version of that and pretty much messed it up. Yeah. Um, but then, um, I think by the time I got to college, I was just like, I'm hottie. You call me hottie. Like, that's easier. That's, you know, and, and then I, it went from there. So, so where, the, where the hell did you get the confidence to start embracing all of those different parts of your identity? Like, where did that, where did, when did that start? I've been reflecting a lot about that. And um, some of it has to do with just the different parts of my journey. I've actually been on mission. I don't know if you know that about me. But I was an international volunteer. I was a missioner. Um, I spent two years in Bolivia working with incarcerated women. And I learned a lot about myself um, through that experience. I don't know if you've ever like lived in another country and had to like kind of reinvent your life. But that's what happened to me. Like I had to go there and like learn how to be and um, yeah, I think for me, it ended up really teaching me a lot about myself. And I think um, interacting with people that are in a very sort of unique situation, when people are in jail, I don't know if you've ever like known or met people in prison and what uh, those people are like, but they're, the vulnerability and um, you know, the kinship that I experienced with the women during my volunteer time, which was for two years, that really taught me a lot about myself. We also, as we prepare to go on mission, do a lot of like personality tests and like, you know, assessments. And, and you know, we also speak very, um, you know, frankly and candidly about like, what is it like to have privilege and not to have privilege and go entering into other people's spaces. And it's like, I'm going to another country. I have to respect like what's happening in that country. Anyway, I think a lot of that, uh, was that was a very good learning experience for me. I also worked at a school that um, focused a lot on social emotional behavior for children. 
And I really learned a lot from the children because they were always told, use your words, use your words. And I'm like, that is such a like, how come nobody told me that when I was 10? That would have been pretty handy to have all this time. <laughs> and I feel like I would see the children use their words. And sometimes they were saying things that were really hard, but they, they would say them. And I think that really like had a very strong impact on me too. So I think all of that really helped me. And, and then just realizing that even though I didn't know everything about every topic, I knew enough that I could say something. And I was in fact a subject matter expert, am a subject matter expert in some areas that I, you know, I, I feel like I could firmly say that and, and be saying the truth. So I learned that also over time. That, that's such a fascinating experience that I think not a lot of people get to experience. And, and you, you said that you learned so much you know, not about, not just about the world and different cultures, but also just about yourself, right? Like, what were some things that you learned just about yourself and your personal, personal growth, you know? Well, so I actually took some notes. Do you mind if I like read from them? Cause I, I think it's really good. And it was like reflection that I did in preparation, like for this conversation, but like, I think it answers your question directly. So yes, please, please. What I learned is that my authentic self is not perfect. That's one thing I learned about myself. And that sometimes I want to give up and run away. That happens to me. Like it is a true story that sometimes like, I just don't want to deal with the hard stuff. And I'm someone who really uh, yearns acceptance and love. I'm sure like that's quite a common like human thing, but I'm, I'm like right there with everyone else in that regard. And that I also feel a lot of pressure. And it's a lot of pressure because I feel like I'm representing Latinas in all the spaces that I enter. And I know this is a conflict that a lot of black and brown people have when they enter spaces. It's like people are judging us for like the whole like population. And it's like, I have to be really like on point at all times because, you know, this might be the only impression that people have of a Latina. This, I might be the only Latina that they know or they talk to regularly. So I want to make sure that I'm make, always making like the best impression. And that's a lot of pressure. So, so those are like the not so good things I learned about myself. But the other things that I learned that were really good is that I am a very hopeful person. I like, you know, I have the audacity to hope as Barack Obama would say. I dream big. I have lots, I always feel like I've been like that. Like, I'm like, oh, I want that. Like, if I see something, I want it. And I work hard for it. I'm very curious. And I also enjoy simple things. And one of the things you don't know about me, because you didn't know me at this time, and, you know, lots of people didn't. But before I went on mission, I was like this, like, six-figure corporate gal that was like, get my hair done all the time, and like, shopping at Tiffany's, and like, having really nice you know, bags and shoes and dresses and everything. And I learned that those things weren't really important to me in the end. And so, you know, I still have all like not so like nice things in my closet, you know, cause I, I never got rid of them. So I still have them, but, but I don't need them and they don't bring me happiness. I know that now. So like when I was in Bolivia and I was broke and poor, like not even with the old R at the end, just like PO, <laughs> um, I was really happy. I was extremely content in that environment. And I learned that about myself and I didn't know that. All of that resonates with me so much. I feel like we are twins on, on a certain level on so much of that. And in particular, like that pressure to not only represent you, but everyone, like I feel that all the time. Um, like at work, I often think, 
oh my god i'm the only latino on the on the team next time if they if a latino resume pops up on someone's desk are they going to think of me and say oh well do we want another one of pabel in the office you know what i mean yes and if I am the quote unquote loud one or the aggressive one or the assertive one, do they want another one of me in the office? Right. And I, I used to try to like, I took that pressure and almost tried to be like the most, I just wasn't myself. Not that I'm aggressive or any of those things, but like you said, right. Like I would um, quiet my voice down to, and try to just make everyone as comfortable as they, you know, as, as, as I could, tried to avoid conflict and all of those things and um During the behavior at all times like the model the model employee kind of thing yeah and i and i think it goes back to like i think that pressure goes back to what you mentioned which is you know the yearning for acceptance which i don't think is is just you i think it's biological right like at a very simple level we all want to be accepted um we want to be accepted by our peers by our groups and we do certain things in order to like try to be accepted so you know i just i just want to empathize with you and say that you you aren't alone in that you know for sure no i i what you said is true and i feel like that in boca serrano entra mosca was permeated my existence because i was like oh well that's like kind of a better approach that way i don't cause any trouble i don't ruffle any feathers and like it's but but i also didn't contribute anything either Mm -hmm. so so I stayed quiet for the good and the bad. Like I didn't, I didn't complain, but I also didn't say, Hey, I I think I deserve that project. Hey, you should have given me that promotion. Hey, I can do that too. And I think I'm, I'm better at that. I didn't say those things either. And, and that's where I think I got myself in a heap of trouble. Then you weren't being selected for those promotions, for those projects and all of those things. So when did, when did that shift change and how did that impact your career? I'm assuming in some positive ways. Yeah. Yeah. Because the truth was that I feel like, I don't know why, but I expected that my managers knew that I wanted to get promoted and that my managers knew that I wanted the special projects and that my managers knew that I had, I was like, wanted all this success. So I just said, they they know it. So I don't need to say anything. I just need to work hard. So we all know that's like a really bad plan and that doesn't work. So, um, and, and it was just like, like I said, I just hurt myself. No one else, like, I don't feel like in the end, the damage was collateral damage to me. And yeah, I do feel that I've learned to expose myself more, take more risks because I want to achieve success. And so you have to take a risk to achieve success and say, hey, can you help me? Hey, I want to, you know, be considered for that. Hey, will you, you know, uh, sponsor me? You know, I know that uh, people are starting to talk about who's getting promoted. I'm one of those people. Will you please, uh, you know, find nice things to say about me so that I can make it to the next round or whatever the case is. So I definitely put my cards on the table more. I ask for help. Um, I, you know, say, I, I voice my needs. And, and like, that's like a pretty basic thing. If you think about it, like, yeah. I don't know why I needed to be 50, you know, years old to figure out that that's what I needed to be doing. But, th- but that's like a basic thing. And it all goes back to, you know, the things that children are taught. Um, back at that elementary school where I used to work, it's just like, you know, use your words. If you need something or you want something, just say it. And the, the worst thing that can happen is someone says, sorry, it's not your turn. Sorry, I already selected someone else. Sorry, not this time. And then you say, okay, well, I want you to know that I, the, for the next round, I want to be considered. So, you know, let's work together to make that happen. And like, it's just, 
if you think about it, it's just like, I'm already feeling the feelings and having all the thoughts. So just say it out loud to someone else who can actually help you. And um, I, I like you. I, I like what you said. Uh, I don't remember how you said it, but the way I feel I was doing it is I was shrinking myself. I just was like, I'm not going to say anything. Maybe. So, so again, it was like the good and the bad. Like I wouldn't complain, but I also wasn't saying anything or like, you know, uh, uh, standing out in any real material way. And um, so I feel like I don't shrink myself anymore. I don't let people figure out what I want. I, I don't need it to chance. You know, at this point where I am, I enter spaces and I say, I'm a Latina. I'm a hard worker. I am a high performer. I identify as that. And I say that now to people, anybody who will listen to me. I'm not, a, not that everybody does, but anybody who wants to listen, I would say, I am a high performer. And my goal is to move up the ladder, to be achieve success, to be more successful. So can you help me, uh, you know, or, or can you, can you get out of my way so that someone else can help me? Those are the, those are the options. So either help me or get out of my way, but I, I am shooting for the stars. And I let that know now in the spaces that I enter. And I feel like that is authentic hottie. That's what I should have been doing from day one, because that is who I am. And I always was like, I don't know, like, yeah, that's the, the visual that I get. It's like hiding, shrinking, you know, like, I don't want anybody to know that because then maybe I'm a target or then people are gonna, you know, um, you know, question me or, you know, uh, yeah, like push back and be like, what do you mean, you know, you deserve that? Well, what have you done? And, and I just felt like I couldn't defend myself, yeah. but that has changed. And, and yeah. you know, like I said, I just think it's my experiences that have caused that to that shift for me. Life experiences yeah, I, and, you know, just poquito a poquito, taking those steps. And it's like, oh, well, what do you know? I said something and then something good happened. Well, let me do that some more. Let me try it again. I, I wish that was a training that is held for um, in like corporate spaces, like asking. Um, well, two things, like one thing that I never knew how to do that therapy taught me how to do. And I wish like companies would train you on, on how to do it. Um, is how to communicate my emotions. I never knew how to do that. And then communicating my needs. Um, and I even struggle with that in romantic relationships. Yep. Like, for example, I require, one of my needs is I just need a lot of alone time. Like, and that's both romantically and professionally. Like some people work really well in collaborative environments. And I remember like every company is like teamwork is, is one of our values and collaboration, blah, blah. I'm like, I can do that, but I also require a lot of time alone just to think, right? But if I never tell my manager that, then they're gonna be like, well, Pavel's not a team player. He doesn't want to do this and that, right? Yeah. And also communicating my emotions in that saying like, hey, in these team environments, I feel, I don't know, stifled. I don't know what the hell the word is, right? But like before we're, because I think oftentimes we're labeled as, like these negative stereotypes before we get the skills to be able to say, I feel, um, I don't know, intimidated, overwhelmed with so many people in the room, all of these sort of things. Like, I think there should be, cause like sales teams, we get trained on like how to own the room and, you know, build relationships, but like these like softer skills, I wish they would, I wish they would teach people in particular people in our community. Cause I feel like that is so taboo, like talking yeah, about- Yeah, because we don't really grow up in those environments. I remember when my mother, my mother was saying, do this, and I'm like, but why? Yeah. She's like, because I said so. <laughs> you know, porque, porque si. I don't know if you ever had that experience, but like, you know, um, 
that's not how I, I'm sure that was not how she she was not raised to use her words or express her emotions or her needs. So therefore, we didn't really pick up that skill from her. And, um, you know, um, so, so and, and it's not like a, a, a bad thing. You know, there's just different ways of doing things. But but yeah, I agree with you that that is those are not skills that are prevalent in our communities. And that definitely needs to be taught. And I will tell you that in the school where I worked in the South Bronx, those skills were taught not only to the children, but to the parents too. And I used to work with those parents and I would say, well, let's, how are we going to, you know, I understand your frustration. So I got the part, the feeling part. Let's talk about how we're going to constructively, you know, communicate this and try to change it, you know? And, and, and that was like eye opening for some people. Cause it was just like, that wasn't necessarily an option. You know, so it was like a re, uh, like a revelation to be like, oh, well, we're going to get to say it to somebody. Somebody might actually care about how we feel, which is like news flash, and then would be cons would consider changing things so that I feel better. Oh my God, like that can happen. And it's like, yes, we're going to try. Let's try and work to make that happen. And so I feel like, yes, those are those are skills that our communities really, really need because, yeah, then we are more prepared when we enter these spaces to you know have these skills and navigate better and like survive and you know and thrive you know forget survive let's thrive in these environments but we need to know how to do that and those are important skills oh my god my mind is is just racing right now i'm imagining like a <laughs> like imagine going into work and and like they they change the whole theme of like this conference room into like a a uh, a kindergarten room full of like play toys and stuff like that and they're like they're like little kids there but they're also like these just um just like employees like us and we're all being trained to like how is everyone feeling today let's use exactly. our words i like i i just i think that dynamic is like so funny but i also think it's um i honestly think that the kids would do better than us imagine like talking about sharing power at work and like it make it like like you know the children get upset and they're like you know Susie isn't sharing but you know yeah. that's that's how I feel too sometimes at work Susie isn't sharing and I want Susie and Billy and Bob to share with me the things that they you know some of the work they're doing or some of the power they have or some of the influence that they have I, I that's my issue too I have the same beef but um anyway I agree with you that uh, that would be a very interesting social experiment to say the least there is there's a blue dot training coming soon it's coming soon I can get uh, me that. Thank you. Uh, anyway, uh, let, I just want to wrap up with this final question. I, I love where you're at right now, especially just, you know, given your, your early journey um, and just being a little bit uncomfortable, a little, little hidden almost um, to where you are now, where you're just a lot more confident. And obviously, you're not done growing, right? We're all working on ourselves. But, you know, as you look forward, though, what's, what's one thing that continues to just inspire you and empower you to continue being your most authentic self? Can I say more than one thing? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so like I said before, I think seeing like me being more honest and then seeing things change that encourages me. Cause it's like, Oh, I, I found the secret sauce. So now I can continue to do that. You know, maybe continue to iterate it and, and, and uh, refine it a little bit more, but I feel like now I have a recipe for success. So that's number one. I'm very encouraged by that. I'm also encouraged by people that like are living their full authentic lives and being successful. Someone like you and some and so many of the guests that you bring onto your show, like they're encouraging to me because they are putting their needs first, whether it's mental health, family, culture, you know, uh, sexual identity, whatever it is, 
they're coming up like they're accepting that in themselves and then they and then they're kind of a lot in that spirit allow other people to accept it too and then they're just living fuller lives so that's really inspiring and i think you know companies are adjusting now when i grew when i graduated from college in the 90s we had to adapt to fit the company culture and i think that has flipped a little bit and i feel like now companies really encourage us to bring our full selves to work and when we do that you know and, and you know then we're sometimes as some companies the ones that do it really well they're really like not only encouraging us to bring our full self but they're recognizing it and celebrating it and that's when you know you really like hit a good spot is like you know you you know Hispanic Heritage Month and let's talk about this and DEI and let's talk about safe spaces and let's talk about you know active allyship and let's talk about mental health and all these things that are important and the companies you know a lot of the good ones are starting to use the same words and talk about the same things that you know all of us are saying are so important and then i just want to shout out all the young professionals out there because they're a large part of why i am not settling because they really um they're leading with their example they are very courageous and they are like not having it and i feel like they have really motivated and inspired me to be like oh snap you know that's not how it was when i started but like i'm getting on that bandwagon i like how they flow they they're doing it the right way so shout out to all those generation y and the millennials that are just like or is it generation z i think it's z the z and the millennials anyway the young folks i love them i love where they're at i love where their heads at their hearts at they're doing it the right way <laughs>